everyone. Welcome to Backstory Sessions. I'm your host, Matt. We hope you enjoy this episode. Everybody, it's Kat, and I want to welcome you to this episode of Backstory Sessions. I'm joined today by, I would normally say my co-host Matt, but <laughs> actually today I am Mattless. Um, it's not the first time I've done a podcast without Matt, but uh, I have a co-host today. And I'm very excited because Christy Conley is the co-host. And now we have two C's together. <laughs> Isn't yes. that great, Christy? C and C. That's <laughs> not better one at all. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, Matt and Kat, that rhymes. And it's, oh, but that's like, you know, so last year. But C and C is like, I just feel like. We should break out with everybody dance now or you know something because I, I have just dreamed of C and C, you know, getting to say that. So um today though we we have a great guest with us and I'm so excited. Um you know Chrissy tell us a little of your background just uh for the listeners. We've had you as a guest before but just remind them a little bit about you before we get into this interview. Okay. Um, Yeah, so I'm currently the theater program director and assistant professor of theater at Union College in Barberville, Kentucky. And before I got here, I got my MFA at Texas Tech in performance and pedagogy, where I did a lot of work with um, adults on the autism spectrum, a lot of work doing devised original pieces about social issues. And um, before that, I actually lived in Memphis, Tennessee for a little bit. I taught fourth grade in Orange Mound, um, which was very, very difficult and interesting. But a lot of my research deals with the intersection of theater and social justice. So currently we're working on a show, a student written piece called A Time for Change or Race Relations Play. And We've developed it last semester, and now we're putting it up on stage this semester, and I think it's going to be really powerful, especially in, you know, little eastern Kentucky, to be able to discuss police brutality with our community. Well, I I think uh, hearing that there's so many elements that um, will probably lend themselves well into this interview. And I know uh, that is the reason that we wanted to have you uh, co-host this episode is because I felt like uh, there's so many connections there. Let's introduce the guests and just jump right into um, all of this. We have so much to talk about. Today's guest, he is a director, writer, producer, former attorney, and, um, you know, he has a a recent project that um, is a Bruce Willis movie, A Day to Die. So we have with us, and we're really 
honored to have you. Wes Miller, welcome to Backstory Session. Hey, uh, and thank you so much for having me. So uh, you wear a lot of hats, obviously. Um, if you could write or direct, if you could only do one, uh, which would you choose and why? Oh, good question. Um, it would probably be directing if I had to just like let everything else go. Um, there's just something magical about working with actors and, and uh, you know, putting scenes together and just watching characters come to life. And um, just that collaboration, and and I, I love the camera. I, I love, you know, that's that's kind of how I started was, you know, working with the camera. So I, I feel like, you know, directing is kind of where you can have your hands in all, you know, most of the aspects um, without having to have full responsibility of of all the aspects. Well, that's an interesting answer. And, you know, I, so many things that I've read about you are uh, intriguing to me. Um, <laughs> the duality of things and, and the way that, that you look at uh, topics. So uh, I think let's start with Memphis because that was intriguing to me. Um, what's it like growing up there? Uh, there's the good and the bad. Um and I like the way that you talked about it shaping so much of what you become. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Chrissy knows like if she worked in Orange Mound then she'll be able to um, relate to, uh, you know, a lot of the stuff I'm going to say. Um, um, so, you know, Memphis was interesting. So, you know, growing up in the, in the eighties um, and I guess, you know, the more formative time was like in the nineties, um, you know, it's 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 definitely a place where you you know have to learn a lot of survival skills just in general um and so you know um i went to school like downtown um at a school called middle college high school and so it's really like right on the border of like north memphis which back then was a really um tough area and so, you know, yeah, so, you know, you, you, you learn, and, and, and even then, like, when a lot of stuff is happening, as an adult, if it happened to my kid now, I'd be like, oh, my God. But back then, it's just kind of like, mm -hmm. all right, well, it's happening, and, you know, I, I know how to survive. But it was good. You know, my mom was always loving. She's an educator. She's a teacher and a counselor. Um, and then, yeah, so just in the streets, you know, it's just a lot of, a lot of elements that can conspire to you know, send you down the wrong path. So, you know, bad decisions have bad consequences. And then, um, but then also, you know, the arts are there, you know, the music and you have Bill Street. Um, and it's just so amazing and so rich. And, you know, you can just go and listen to live music and and uh, it would just be great. And then, you know, we had the Malco theaters there, which that's where I kind of disappeared into and learned it. And so it would be challenging, you know, it's challenging, but rewarding. Um, you know, all at the same time. And then even at my high school, you know, even amongst the challenges, you know, I had a principal, uh, Joyce Mitchell, who was like, you know, a, a, an angel to me um, that really helped me get through high school when I was determined to continue to make, you know, silly mistakes. And she actually saw the promise in me. So mm -hmm. uh, and there were other, you know, teachers. I had a, a coach that, you know, Edmund Donald, who believed in me and, and helped me get into to college and you know, so, yeah, so d despite all the forces and factors that can help 
you know, send you down wrong paths. There are people there who um, definitely will love on you and and nurture you and, and help you get, get to the next level so long as you stay open to it. So minus those people, do you feel like you might have gone down another path? Oh, 100% would have. <laughs> He's like, um, and you know, I have to give a lot of credit to my mother because I kind of wanted to stay home. And she was like, no, you're leaving. Like you're going away and going to school. Like you don't have to go far, but you have to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I remember coming home one day, uh, saying, because uh, I went to a school called Bethel College in Mackenzie, Tennessee, before I transferred. Um, and I came home and I saw a college acceptance letter in the mailbox. I was like, what is this? <laughs> She, was, she applied for me. I didn't even apply. Ah. You know, so and then I got in. So, you know, then I had to go walk on for basketball and, and football. But, um, you know, thankfully, you know, she, you know, really pushed and she knew that I needed to be out of the city for a while in order to really see the world and, and, and figure out who I was as a young man. Were you a good student uh, or how would you describe yourself in high school? So, so how candid do we want to get here? <laughs> I, I, we want it all. We want the okay. honest. <laughs> so, so, all right. So um, I've always, so in Memphis, they have a, a program that's called optional. At least back then, it was like your optional program. And that's where the kids, if you tested well, you would go into like the optional classes. And, you know, when I was in elementary and early middle school, I would I would always be in the optional classes, um, the which is good academically. But with a, a young black man who didn't have a dad in the house and looking for an identity, I was literally like one of the only black males in those optional classes. It was mostly Caucasian and, and, and you know, um, and, you know, maybe a few African-American females, actually some who are still friends today. But. I was looking for something for someone, people that looked like me and all of them were like in the quote unquote regular classes. Um, so I remember about the seventh or eighth grade, I started making the conscious decision, like I'm not gonna do my work. Like, I don't wanna be in these classes anymore. Um, so, you know, my grades would slip. And then, you know, during that, you know, I think 14 to 18, you know, I just did enough just to get by. You know, I didn't I didn't really apply myself, you know, it was, uh, yeah, you know, it was just enough to get by. So, um, yeah, so that was it. And then even in college, you know, that probably lasted until like my junior year. Um, then I found out I was going to be a dad and, you know, I played football and I kept my grades up and I wanted to chase like the football dream and wound up breaking my ankle and mm-hmm. still was good enough for that level, but like pro level. And then I just really had to like really start seeking and searching like, you know, what's really next for my life. And um and, you know, I remember going to my uh, professor, this is at Lambeth, um, uh, Professor Boutwell, a, a retired FBI agent, a white guy. And I just told him, I was like, hey, you know, oh, well, actually what happened was, is like um, there was a film program and there was like a pre-law program opening up around this time where I was making my decision to be serious. But the film program was like full, but the pre-law was like good. So I went to my professor and I was like, hey, you know, I think I want to do this pre-law and maybe try to go to law school. And my grades were not good, like literally like 2.0, 2.1, you know, just enough to stay eligible, whatever right. the eligible APA was. That's what I, and that's all I was striving for, like stay eligible. Um, and then, you know, this is a pivotal time because he could have looked at me and said, eh, no, you you know, you won't be able to do it. Um, but he was like, listen, I'll tell you what, if, if from this moment on, 
I see you, you know, really going on out and your grades reflected, I will give you a recommendation at whatever law school you apply to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, you know, you know, we talk about, you know, different people and, and races and people from different walks of life. But that man there, like that decision um, changed the course of my life because I never made anything less than a 3.4 since, you know, since that semester, um, law school included. So, um so yeah, that's a long way of saying no. And in, in, in high school, I did not. Um, and it wasn't until like I really matured some and, and was kind of forced to mature and uh, really dug in and was like, hey, like, let's let's go for it. So when you were, you know, really trying and applying yourself in pre-law and, and later through law school, did you like law? Was that something that you related to and really wanted to do well in? Yeah, you know, because um, I, I wound up being like a criminal justice major um, with a sociology minor, no, with a sociology emphasis and a minor in English. Um, so even while I was doing that, I, you know, with the legal stuff, I was still like, you know, doing the great books and the plays and the playwrights, you know, um, and, and my English. Minor. Um, and so, but the law, um, I did. I fell in love with it and I realized I was actually really good at it. And somehow my brain would connect with it. Um, and uh, and I still love the law, um, you know, to this day. But, yeah, it just became something. And I think like academically, I lived my quote unquote best academic life in law school because I let so much of it slip in in college, my early college days. Mm-hmm. This sounds so similar to the students I have right now so it is incredibly inspiring like I really want them to listen to this yeah definitely you know because yeah it's like the eligibility thing you just said oh my goodness that's exactly (laughs) how it is and this need to find your identity in high school and looking around there's nobody like you and I think um you know the the movie industry I mean the entire theater industry is um very whitewashed. And so the ability to, to have stories that include people who are not just white is, is a a big, a big thing that I'm trying to push here. And so I I really appreciate your, your story. Um, and knowing that there was a moment that changed. Um, sorry, go ahead, Kat. I just wanted to, uh, yeah. Well, I think, Christy, though, um, you know, like, you're the person um, that, like, was in his life. Um, You know, I think you are that person for many in this community as well. So, um, you know, there's a lot of inspirational parts to this, um, not just for the students, but, you know, for the the teachers or professors, principals, whoever they may be that... um, you know, say you, you can do it. And if you, if you do your best and it's good enough, you know, I'm going to support you. I'm going to, I'm going to be there to make sure that you're on a good path. So, you know, I just find this, all of this interesting, but I, I guess the next thing I find really interesting is you leave law behind, <laughs> you know, so I'm thinking like as I'm reading your bio, you know, this is great. You know, who would want to leave law because you can do so many great things. But, you know, is that true? Is the reality of of 
or the perception of law, you know, is that the good's going to win out um, and, and you can do all this, this greater good. But um, is, is that the reality of law? I mean, was it different? Yeah, I would have to say it's different. Um, so, <laughs> you know, I, I again, like I mentioned, I didn't want to keep, you know, just talking forever, but like, I, I still love the law. Um, and the thing was, um, I was, I believe I was very idealistic, you know, going into it, um, you know, because I did a lot of civil rights work and helping, you know, a lot of people who were disadvantaged and, and criminal work. And, you know, I, I, you know, but even then film was always like a huge part of, you know, my practice, my whole law office was like, you know, with um, legal posters, like on walls, you know, my whole, it was just decorated all the way around. And so, you know, um, I, I always knew that film had like a transformative ability, but yeah, like with the practice of law, you, you, the reality of it, you know, and the stress, stresses of it, you know, I, I would remember clients coming in and be like, oh, it's really about the principle, but it's not about the money. And then, you know, it just became like, if anytime somebody says that, you know, it's about the money. Um, so, <laughs> so it was, it was, it was interesting. And, you know, I went really hard, did a lot, you know, won some big cases, tried a lot of cases and, mm-hmm. you know, it was just, um, it was just, you know, you, you can make a difference for a few people, you know, here or there, but like, you don't, it's really hard to make, have a, a grand impact in a, in a large sense, you know, with the practice. And, uh, and yeah, so I just emotionally, I was like, okay, you know, no, um, this isn't it. And then that's when I, you know, really started like really thinking and praying and just trying to figure out, you know, what's next. So do you, do you remember the moment that you figured out what was next? So not the exact moment. It was kind of like, I I know the month. So basically what happened was, is, you know, I knew it was about 2010 or 11. I was like, no, this really isn't for me. You know, I I knew like spiritually I was just empty and professionally I was like, and, you know, it's like, I didn't really enjoy it. Um, And then, you know, the technology revolution kind of came and now DSLRs came about um, and I got me a T3, a Canon T3i, which shoots a very nice cinematic image, and I learned it. And then I was like, "Oh man, this is cool!" Um, mm-hmm. And I started writing like little short scripts, and then I wrote a feature script that got picked up by a smaller producer, um, an indie producer in LA. He brought me on set, and I was like, "Oh, this is amazing!" But it's super hard. Um, but it was still another year or so, and I was like. You know, it's like 2015, about May. And I was like, you know what? I know I can do this. Um, I know I have a little talent. It's either now or never. It's just like either go all in or not, because the law is a jealous mistress. And I can say the exact same thing about filmmaking. You just you can't get good if you don't put in the time. And, you know, and it's a craft and it's working. So it's like the summer of 2015. I was like, all right it's time I sold the practice and I just been grinding hard every single day since. So do, do you see people in general as complicated characters? I mean, is, is everyone complicated? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I would have to say yes to that. Um, you know, and, and, you know, it's just, 
we we all are. And I think that's one thing that the law did for me. It it allowed me to expand my horizon, um, work different people from different walks of life, from boardrooms to jail rooms to courtrooms to, you know, the, the whole gamut of people who come from a lot of wealth and people who come from nothing, people who have been given wealth and people who have worked to get their wealth. And we all have unique stories and we're all, you know, uh, complex and complicated. And um, I do feel like the arts and film is a very right medium to be able to to explore those. Uh, and so a day to die is very similar in what you just said, right? With the people from different uh, walks of life and at different stages of life. Yeah, you know, and that's kind of, you know, when I got the script, um, you know, so for me, before I got the script, you know, I was just at the point of like, all right, what kind of filmmaker do you want to be? And mm-hmm. I think at, the, uh, at first it was just really like, I want to be a working filmmaker. <laughs> so like, you know, <laughs> You have to make your investors money. If you to make investors money, you have to make things people want to see. Um, and then you then, but you also have to do something that makes you happy and makes you fulfilled and the reason why you do this. And I've always, you know, loved the action genre, you know, ever since I was a kid. It's always tried and true in the thriller and the crime thriller, crime action. You know, those are all like I just love those. Um and so, yeah, so when I got the script, it was just a, you know, regular, you know, little, you know, a, you know, fine, you know, A to B um, action piece. But I really wanted to infuse some of me in it. Um, and that's when, you know, I went in to rewrite and, and worked on some of these different relationships, some of the different characters created and introduced um, the character played by Leon and, you know, then got it ready and then uh, got it, got it to Frank Grillo and he jumped on board. Mm-hmm. So it takes place, if I understand, over um, the course of a day. Um, how, how was that directing wise? What challenges did that present? Um, so, you know, um, be, you, because like on these on, on almost any production, not even smaller productions, but just when you're, you're filming, you often have to shoot out of continuity, um, meaning like things that take place um, later in the script story, you have to shoot earlier in the shooting schedule. So even though the you, you haven't really shot everything leading up to like a big fight, you have to imagine and know like, all right, this is what it's going to be like, you know, when we finally get there. So let's shoot these pieces that we have to shoot now because of timing or schedules. Um, so it's like a very big puzzle piece of, of trying to keep all that, you know, in order and my script supervisor and my first AD did, you know, a great job. And I know um, they're both happy. You're like, okay, wow, it, found, it really worked. Um, because sometimes you just don't know. You're like, all right, you know, I think this is what's going to happen when we get to the scene and film the whole thing. So, you know, we have to film it out of order. That was that was probably the bigger challenge um, in doing it because we couldn't shoot in order because of the actors' availability and schedules. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, I have uh, one more question. I know this is going to lead into Christy and I had a conversation about this earlier. Um, So you like action films. And um, I read that you said it's one of the purest forms of cinema because uh, there doesn't have to be any dialogue, any words said. um, And you can convey a purpose in a conflict without, you know, without a single word. So 
I, I mean, it's hard to imagine that um, action, you know, until I read that, I didn't really think about action film in that way. Um, so how did you come up? How did you come to that realization? Um, just through, you know, a lot of studying and watching a lot of movies and cinema. And then if you just kind of, let's, you know, if you just take it back to the origin, you know, when the movies were silent um, and you just had a little, you know, dialogue uh, cards here and there. Um, that's that's how cinema began. It began with movement. It began with action and, and not a reliance on on words and you know um just as the the artist developed you you know you've added in more dialogue um and you know dialogue is definitely important but you know just you know tracking that movement the the reaction on faces like a lot of times dialogue really doesn't have meaning until you see a reaction on somebody else's face and they don't have to say a word um and then also listening to a lot of master classes from like actors and how they come in and they realize, hey, I don't have to say these five lines. I can convey it with a look. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of that piece of the craft that you know, like like these amazing actors in the craft was you know, in their craft have um, is there. And then you know, I think the the opposite side of that though is a lot of action films become over reliant on spectacle. And not that I'm against spectacle, um, because I do like to blow stuff up and like have a lot of fun. With it. Um, but it has to be rooted in some character, some character motivation, so we care like what's happening in there. And then, and then that to me is what really allows the purest form of cinema to like really shine through. Was there a moment when you feel like, as a director, that um, you know? Uh, um, an action really nailed the moment uh, without anything being said. Is there a moment you're particularly proud of from the movie? Um, I, I would, I mean, I'm proud. I'm actually proud of the whole movie per se. I must say, like, I feel like I've, I've worked really hard at the craft to get to this, this level and definitely not satisfied and always want to keep improving. Um, but like, no, I, I can't think of a, you know, I, when I'm looking at faces, I see Leon's face. So if I close my eyes, I see Leon's face. I think he conveyed so much of Pettis' struggle, um, and complexity with just like a few looks. Um, and there's like a really good scene with Kevin and Frank Grillo where they don't really exchange a lot of dialogue. It's just a few looks. Um, there's a guy Gianni, you know, there, you know, when he finds out he's going to be an uncle, there are just a couple of looks, um, and then like at the end of the movie with, with our characters are realizing everything that's, that's happening and what they're about to, you know, have to do or walk away from, you know, a lot of like great looks. So, yeah, you know, I, I feel like we did a really good job in, in capturing those moments and infusing them in the film. All right, Christy, I know that you, um, you had some thoughts about this, so. Yeah. So, yeah, I was reading and I was like, Ugh, I, I don't like action films because I mean <laughs> I was watching the the trailer and I was just like uh, uh, like I think I'm so sensitive as a person that I see all of that like you're talking about the spectacle and I'm just like 
but I, I care about the story and like, okay, you can blow things up and all of this. So hearing you talk about this though, I'm like, yes, I appreciate that it is rooted in the character development. It's not just like a car chase for a car chase's sake, right? So yeah. you mentioned like you have to make things that people want to see though. So has how well has that been received, that perspective that, okay, cool, this gets from A to B, but I need to, you know, bring that complexity out of it. What does that process look like for you? Do you get pushback or is it well received? Um right as of now it's been so I'll take that on two levels. So one from let's say the powers to be, the decision makers that greenlight the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, honestly, as long as they're um as long as you're not overly heavy-handed with it and the elements that they need to protect their investment are there, they pretty much give you a reasonable amount of freedom, you know, not to be insensitive and not to, you know, be overly, um, uh, can't think of what I'm looking for, but not not to be salacious with it. Um, they, they give you that room, um, but they just, you know, they want you to make a good film and, you know, and that thing. And then with the audience side of it, um, I've only, you know, just released today and, you know, we, I sat through it with two different audiences, one in Jackson, Mississippi and one in New York. And the reaction from both has was was just overly overwhelming. And even some of the interviews, a lot of the interviewers, you know, they're like, oh, you know, I went into it thinking it was like this, you know, little Bruce, not little, but like a Bruce, regular Bruce Willis film. And like there's so many more layers here that you know, I really enjoyed it. Um Yep. And yeah, and so like at least you know with the you know the people that I've spoken with that have watched it and that I sat in the audience and and watched them like react the same in different places and come out and talk about these different characters and you know when when characters have something happen to them there's an emotional reaction to them have to it happening you know at that point as a filmmaker you're like okay all right they they get they get where we were going with it and. Honestly, that's such an amazing feeling because you're working so blind sometimes. And with these independent productions, you don't have the opportunity to test films like the studios do and go recut and test and go recut. Um, But, yeah, it's just it's been an amazing, you know, reception, at at least as far as everybody that I've seen or or spoken to that, you know, that's watched the film. That's awesome. Yeah, I. I've never directed film. I've acted in some, you know, like little filmed pieces and um, it's really tough. You were talking about shooting out of order and, and that type of thing. So you don't have that immediate audience reaction until the final product is put in front of them. Yes. Yeah. That, that, that sounds crazy. So the thing that you said, you know, you really enjoy about directing is that connection with the actors and getting to see them create those characters. I know what that process is like, I guess, with the stage, but what is that like, especially with the caliber of actors you're working with? I mean, that sounds like, whew. like, what are, what, what are some of the things, like an example of what you might say to them, like a question you might ask them or, um, you know, what, what might a moment look like where you are giving them some type of, of direction yeah so i uh, so I, I can answer that in two parts so one you know you know because you know on, on film everything is so chaotic so many different moving pieces when it's time to get into a scene i call that kind of like my sacred space with the actors mm-hmm. and 
I don't want to be disturbed by any questions. I don't want anybody walking on set. I don't want anybody bothering us because this is my time with the actors. I don't want producers. I don't want anybody coming unless it's like a dire emergency. And mm-hmm. me and the actors will read through the scene. You know, we'll answer their questions. If I have a question, I'll ask it. We'll walk through the blocking. Hey, this is this is I'll let them know. Hey, this is kind of what I was thinking. What do you guys think? Mm-hmm. Um, make sure it feels good. We'll read through it, make sure the lines are clicking, make sure everything makes sense, especially in the context of things changing in the in the script uh, or in the shooting of it, you know, because, you know, one scene changes, may change a line in another scene. And so we do that. And then so we work through it and then we we get there. Um, and so, yeah. And then like once you dial into the that's like that special moment where you're like, OK, the movement's clicking. The dialogue's clicking. The reactions are clicking. Um, I know where the transitions are in the scene. I know where the what the scene is about, and and you know we we, we got it. And then we you know roll cameras, and then it's you know capturing everything. Um, and I love that process because it uh, still allows for spontaneity to discover the scene. But by the time you're rolling, you're you're locked into the discoveries that you made and 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 getting ready and and in that energy. Um, and then the second part, you know, direction is it just you know it it really differs and depends on on everything. So sometimes it could be as simple as a slight adjustment uh, of you know asking them, you know, well, what if this ca- you know if I wanted them to be a little bit more angry, I'm like, well, what if this character insulted you in front of your your mother yesterday before you had this conversation, and then helping them budge into that into that way, or you know. Um, you know, let's let's talk to him, you know, as if he's like, you know, uh, 85 and hard to hear to if I want them to get their inflection up a little bit. Um, so it's like little things like that where I try not to give like result oriented direction, but just more like, you know, subtextual and like, you know, really pushing and nudging, you know, in ways. then when you work with people like Bruce and Frank and Leon and Kevin, um, and Brooke and Mohammed, I mean, uh, Vernon, like all these, these actors are so talented that you just give small adjustments and they really nail it and, and keep it going. Absolutely. That, hearing that, uh, that is, uh, yeah, that's awesome to hear what that actual process looks like. Do you think um, if you did trial law or maybe even if you didn't, is that's kind of similar, right? When you need the, you're like you don't want to give the client exactly what to say or maybe you do i don't know my dad is a criminal prosecutor and my sister is a public defender so oh, kind okay of, <laughs> kind of in that space as well um but it is kind of like directing right no it is i yeah. you know, it's it's honestly there are a lot of pieces of, of practicing law that definitely translate to being a director and even from playing football, they translate, you know, to being a director, you know, being on a team and everything. Um, but yeah, so yeah, you know, yeah, you would meet a client and yeah, yeah, you don't, you generally don't want to tell, you can't really tell them what to say. You can nudge them in certain directions, um, you know, without, you know, violating ethical, you know, rules or whatever, but like, yeah, you, you really want to kind of do that. And it's, you know, another thing as far as I was a trial lawyer, um, and yeah, and another similarity is it's like, you know, you're talking to a jury and you're like having to, 
you know, tell a story that they relate to and that they, you know, somehow are moved to, to, you know, make a decision in favor of your client. And, you know, same thing here. We're telling stories and we want to move, you know, our audience to, you know, not necessarily make a certain decision now, but maybe just have something on your mind. So next time you have to make a decision or you encounter somebody different, you know, you may just have your mind, your mind and your heart open just a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. Do you um, feel like everything in your life has led up to you making films? Because it seems like a lot of the background that you have is interconnected into what you're currently doing. Yeah, I would say yes. Um, and, you know, sometimes, you know, I, I it's like, man, maybe I, I wish I could have started a little bit earlier. But then, you know, you're like, no, like all everything that you went through. Um, and learned really prepared you for what you what what you need to survive in the entertainment industry um, and thrive in your craft and doing it. Um, and so, like I I do feel like that. And, and you know, at this point, you know, there's no there are no regrets. And just take all my lessons and continue to try to be better and better and better. Keep getting better at the craft, better at the business, and um, and just you know keep doing it, and and you know again hope people like really respond to it. Um, you said survive in the industry. That's something that I struggle to um, support my students in because, yeah, you were in law, and then you take this leap to do entertainment. And people really tend to discourage the passion of the arts as a career track. Um, mm-hmm. So, it's, yeah, you said 2010, it was like, okay, I feel like I'm not spiritually fulfilled. And then 2015, so that took, you know, a fair amount of time. I guess you were just making work during that time. And then once you left, I'm just curious, like, where did you go? And, like, did you have a support job? Like, what does it take to survive in that industry and to become successful? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to tackle that from two pieces. One, like, uh, emotionally and then two financially. Uh, so the switch. So for me, I start with financially. Financially, it is very draining and very difficult. Um, I was fortunate in the sense of like I was able to sell my practice and which gave me a little bit of like income to, you know, live for a couple of you know, years. And then um, I actually got married in the interim and, you know, my wife was working. So she was, you know, also helping supplement, you know, some of those um, that lost income. Um, And so, you know, put it, we put like a little three to five year plan together. um, And it's just like, Hey, this is what we're going to, you know, this is the goal financially. And you just have to cut back until you, you reach a goal. And like, you know, we literally, you know, cut back and, you know, just, you know, bare minimum of what we needed to, you know, to survive while we, you know, had this common goal. Um, so it's, it can be difficult. I do know. And, and, the, and the problem is this, it's like, it's not about working somewhere else, but every minute you're working, doing something else, you're not working on your craft. And yes. This this in order to be good at it and really be good and, and really reach your potential, you have to be working on it like in some shape, form of every day. If you're watching something, writing something, reading something, thinking about a story, you know, sometimes I'm like sitting here at home and my wife may be talking to me. I'm staring at the wall and she's like, are you even hearing me? I'm like, I'm so <laughs> I was like thinking about this story that like, what if I tried this? You know, and you and you know, but it, it absolutely takes that dedication to 
to reach a base level of success. Um, so, you know, so it's really trying to find that balance of something where it's something that you can work, it, you know, if you don't have that support system or don't have that ability to like, you know, sell something to, you know, sustain you for a while, you know, finding a job or something where you don't have to use a lot of brain cells. Um, and, and so you're not exhausted at the end of the day. And like, maybe you have some downtime at work where you can be jotting notes on a story um, and those kind of things. Um, and then too, like for people who want to like change careers, um, for me, it was probably more emotionally hard than it was financially hard. Um, because when you become a lawyer, that you you the, at least for me I was that was kind of my identity. I'm a lawyer. I'm a lawyer. Yeah. Um, and then when you choose to let that go, and you're not quite a filmmaker yet. You're an aspiring <laughs> filmmaker. Yeah. Um, uh, and you know, I mean, you know, you don't know how long you're gonna be able to do it. You're like in a void. You're like walking in a desert, and you're just like emotionally like, who am I? What's my identity? Who am I now? Um, and so that was like really emotionally challenging. And honestly, probably from and 2015 to 2017, 18, I was walking that line of like, who am I? And then even when I realized, OK, I'm a filmmaker, I think this film here is probably the first one where I can say I'm a filmmaker mm. and like really proud of the fact that I'm a filmmaker and not like it's a step down from being a lawyer. You know what I mean? Yes. I hear yeah. that. So, so yeah, that's, that's how I would answer that. That's yeah. That's incredible. Thank you. Okay. I think, yeah. Did, did anyone say like, okay, I don't really think this is a good idea uh, to leave law. <laughs> oh, guess, guess. I bet you can guess who that would have been. <laughs> my mother Mom. yes <laughs> yes <laughs> she, was, she was like so you want to quit being a lawyer to go make movies i was like, <laughs> I was like yes mom i'm, I'm gonna quit being a so you went to you did all that law school uh, <laughs> yes yes mom all that law school um so yeah um, that was that was tough has yeah. she seen the premiere she did not see the premiere just because she's still not comfortable. You know, it's like 74. She's not really comfortable traveling, you know, because right. of COVID stuff. Um, but I will, I will say this, like she did give me a hard time. Um, there were times she would try to nudge me, like you need to go back and, and be, you know, practice law. Cause it's hard. Like there are times you just sitting there like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, you know, I'm trying. Um, but then I went to her, her house for, uh, th last Thanksgiving and on her nightstand are DVDs of all the movies I've done. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, uh -huh. she she's kind of proud, but she, you know, she's tough. So she's not gonna like, you know, be all sentimental about it, but she she's she's there, she's watching. Yeah. Well, so what do you want people when they see this to uh what do you want them to take away from the movie? Um, I think the general answer is everything they can. Um, you know, I just I want them to enjoy it and, and you know, feel like they've been on a nice ride and 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 come out with the understanding like, oh, there were some real, you know, complex characters happening here, some things and that I didn't even, you know, really expect and, you know, maybe pick up on the metaphor that the film is, which is, you know, people like, you know, we all you know, our world is so divided now that like sometimes it was at some point we're going to have to like put all these divisions aside and come together for a common goal. And 
you know, uh, you know, hopefully you know, they'll understand, you know, see that that's what happened with, you know, the main characters in this movie. So what's next for you? Have you already started in something new? Oh, yeah. We're already in pre-production on a new film uh, starring Kelly Rowland. It's called Three Mile In. Um, it's like a little twisty crime thriller action-y thing, like uh, a mix between Reservoir Dogs and Smoking Aces. Um, so we're already in pre-production on that. And uh, yeah, that's the next thing up. Awesome. Well, um, you know, I I just couldn't imagine. I guess I was like your mom, um, you know, <laughs> from the one perspective. But hearing you um, talk about the success that you've had and also the, the passion that you have for doing this, um, you know, it's an incredible story. It's very motivating to people that that have dreams. But most importantly, I think you you point out, you know, you, you're not just going to leave one thing and go instantly into the dream. It's going to be work and um, you, and you have to prepare and, and put the work in because I think a lot of times, no matter if it's the arts or whatever, people are just like, oh, I'm going to go do this. But they don't have the follow through and, uh, you know, it sounds great, um, but nobody wants to put the work in to achieve it. So I admire you for that. Um, it's just a, I, I just love your story, all of it. And I'm sure I'll love the movie as well. I have not got to see it, but uh, I look forward to seeing it. Oh, awesome. Yeah. I hope you enjoy it. Um, yeah, I do know action films aren't for everybody. Um, you know, but I, I did. I did attempt to give a little bit more here. Uh, you know, to to play with and um, and definitely thank you. Um, and thank you for having me. And yeah, you know, you know, we only live this life once, and so like, you know, you got to make responsible choices. Uh, but if you can make the plan and 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 willing to work hard to execute it, mm-hmm. then yeah, you you know you know got to go for it sometimes. Would you like to be a guest speaker for my students? Because, damn, I don't know if I'm allowed to. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Come to the crib, and um, you know, I'm I'm there like sometimes in the summer, then like right before holidays, right over holidays. Um, I would definitely do it, hundred percent. Oh, that'd be so cool. Because that, I mean, yeah, I think having that role model that looks like them, you know, sees that mm-hmm. identity. Because I mean, I'm a white woman, and it's it's hard for me sometimes to be like, Oh yeah, this is the way you can do it. And it's like, <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, of course. So that would be really awesome. Okay. But, yeah, absolutely. Let me know. Yeah. Thank you so much. This is, cool. this is, well, I would say this is a, a successful episode and many levels. And um, I hope everyone will go out and, or um so yes how how will that work for um watching a day to die is this going to be in theaters select theaters and then we can see it later streamed or how are we gonna how does this work yeah so it's in select theaters now um and (laughs) if you go to my instagram page i am wes miller uh there's a I have a photo of like where you can sit in theaters, but it's on like all the demand, like Comcast and 
everywhere like it's it's on all the vod platforms and you know the pr team actually just sent us some some information it seems like it's doing really well in the placement and views so far so um yeah that's that you anywhere anywhere where you can buy a movie um you can do a red box it's in red box as well um so yeah it's it's all over right now great um well i hope that you will come back and be a guest again uh, i know there's going to be many more great things come from you and um you know we've only just touched the surface of things i wanted to talk about but our time is winding down with you i know and uh, <laughs> we really appreciate you being our guest today this has been really interesting and a lot of fun for me Oh, awesome. I'm really glad to be here. And of course, anytime, you know, I'm, I'd be 100% happy to come back. Thank you so much, guys. As always, if you have any questions, concerns, or comments, you can send those to Kat at IWritePlays at Outlook.com or you can write to me at BackstorySessions at Gmail.com or Matt at Level11Ventures.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care.